Let's say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Francis of Assisi. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, everyone. Well, awesome. Uh, tonight, as Maggie or Zach said, whoever said it, we're going to talk about the um, extraordinary form of the Mass. Uh, we don't have a ton of time to go into all of the particularities. This is going to be very um, focused on how we pray with the extraordinary form of the Mass, but a few different points. Uh, just as a show of hands, who here has never been uh, to the extraordinary form of Mass, or also known as the traditional Latin Mass, or anything like that? Who's never been to one of these? Okay, so most of you have been at one point or another. Great. Um, let's start with this. It's called the Extraordinary Form of the Mass. Uh, recent history, in the year 2000, and I think it was seven, Pope Benedict XVI issued what's called a motu proprio, which is how the church issues a governing document, how the Pope issues a governing document for the church, called Sumorum Pontificem, uh, which uh, comes from Latin word, the, the Supreme Pontiffs, and that they have, uh, he basically uh, takes what was the form of the Mass before the Missal promulgated by Paul VI, St. Paul VI, in 1968, and he uh, liberalized its usage. So that up until 2007, uh, the, for, the Mass, as we would say it, comes from this book called the Roman Missal, uh, but it's promulgated as the Novus Ordo, means the New Order, uh, and it is a Mass that was promulgated by St. Paul VI. Um, and it, it has its roots in the, you know, Latin rite. It is the Latin rite. And as Pope Benedict says in Sumorum Pontificem, it is the ordinary form of the Latin rite. So uh, when we use the form, the words ordinary and extraordinary, it's really just, this is the normal, what we do. Um, but the missal that was promulgated by St. Paul V and up through its revisions by St. John the 23rd, a lot of saints associated with the liturgy, um, <laughs> by St. John the 23rd, um, is known as the extraordinary form of the Mass. Meaning that this missal, this way of saying the Latin rite liturgy, was never abolished. It was never, it was never said like, You've, you can't ever use this anymore. And so what happened was, after the Second Vatican Council, um, this was being used and is totally legal and valid and good and has made good saints, but this form of the Mass um, is also legal and valid and has made many good saints as well. And what Pope Benedict basically did in the year 2007, and why now, 12 years later, we're having a conversation about it, is that he liberalized the use of this form of the Mass, whereas up until then it would have to be only by the direct initiative of the local bishop. He's allowed that wherever there is a group, uh, that would like to worship in this form of the Mass, uh, that it should be made available, that pastors should make it available, and it should be provided for. And I think in his mind, maybe, and this could be a bit of a debate that we're not going to get into, um, is that it's that there's an older generation that grew up with this, that is attached to it, that wants it, but what we're finding is that this form of the Mass, the extraordinary form, is attracting a lot of younger people, and that there's a lot of youth involved in it uh, who see something good and precious here. I think for all of our purposes, it's important to know this, important to know um, both forms of the Mass, to love them and acknowledge them both as uh, valid and appropriate and legal. And uh, 
to not, honestly, to not be bigots about one form or the other, right? If we just don't know and we're, we're rooted in ignorance and we are saying foolish things out of ignorance, uh, then we're going to sound foolish. Um, you know, if you like the, the Novus Ordo, beautiful, great. It makes a lot of saints. It's good, right? If you like the extraordinary form, great, beautiful. It's made a lot of saints and it's good. And to say foolish things one way or another um, is, look, it's the mass, right? It's all the mass. And so it's, it's so important to not fall into these um, politically charged arguments, but rather to see that the mass is the mass and Christ comes to us, body, blood, soul, and divinity, so we can receive him in Holy Communion in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And so it's so um, important to see the, the overwhelming value of that. Now, two points I want to talk about um, that many people would notice for the extraordinary form is that it's ad orientum, which means that the priests and the people are all facing the same direction, which is the important way to phrase that, and that it's in Latin, uh, which is why many times in Olive refer to it as the traditional Latin Mass. Um, here's something interesting to know about both of those points, is that ad orientum, uh, you should never say with the priest having his back to the people, because that's foolish, right? Uh, it's everyone facing the same direction. When priests and people together face the same direction, that is a liturgically ordered thing, that's called ad orientum. Ad orientum comes from the Latin, toward the east as our churches were built to face the east. Now, what happens in the east? The sun rises. So we are oriented toward the rising sun, which is a very good play on words in English. Uh, that's where we're facing. But this is where the church faces. The church faces east, looking forward to um, the, the new day of the kingdom of God. And so that is how the church prays. And ad orientum, and then Latin. That the Mass is all in Latin. The readings are in Latin. Everything's in Latin. Important to know is that these two most identifiable points of the extraordinary form are also the norm for the Novus Ordo. That there are points in our English Missal that we say every day and Sunday in most churches where it says, like, the priest facing the people says. What does that uh, imply about what he's doing the rest of the time? <laughs> facing the same direction as the people, right? And so uh, that there's something to that this was never abrogated. This was never um, cut out like, okay, well, how do we recognize the new mass? The priest faces the people. No, that's foolish. Um, that this is part of what we have. Secondly, Latin, Sacrosanctum Concilium, the document of the Second Vatican Council, uh, which instituted the liturgical reform, says in number 36 that Latin is the primary language of the mass. And so even if our Mass is normally in English, uh, the document of the church still says Latin is the primary language. In our little chapel over there, we actually have this Missal, the Roman Missal, the Novus Ordo, Tertio Ditio, the third edition, as it was revised by St. John Paul II, um, in Latin. Like we ha it's, and it, should, it can and should be prayed in Latin. So the two big things that people point to for the extraordinary form, let's just get out of the way that those are somehow exclusive to the extraordinary form. They're not. They are part of our tradition that in all of the documentation and in, in the new missal was intended to be carried through. Um, but that hasn't happened as well. And now, you know, again, we, we're in where we are, where we are. And the church prays liturgically as she is. 
And so, you know, no, we shouldn't flip all, you know, we shouldn't be auto-oriented necessarily next Sunday. It's so fact we got to catechize. We got to learn that it's part of our tradition. By having the extraordinary form, it helps us see the tradition of, through which the Latin liturgy has developed so that we can better understand how the Novus Ordo ought to look and what that looks like. So both forms mutually enriching each other. Okay, so uh, that's the misconceptions. Now a few specific points, uh, big scale, about the extraordinary form of the Mass before we start looking at some of the particularities. Big scale is, um, you'll notice in the Mass tonight, it is like a, um, you have to, we have to like change how we pray. If we've grown up in the Novus Ordo, as I have, as most of you have, we have to change how we pray um, with the Mass in thinking that the Mass is somehow school, right? Um, and that what happens at school? What do you have to do at school? You have to understand and you have to learn, right? And what happened? We put school benches in our churches about two or 300 years ago. So you're all sitting on school benches called pews and you are being lectured to from a podium and you're thinking, okay, I gotta like, the mass is not primarily educational. The mass is not a Bible study. Um, the mass is not catechetics um, and the mass is not entertainment. Uh, the Mass is a sacrifice where Christ is the, uh, the priest. He is the offerer of the sacrifice. He is the altar upon which the sacrifice is offered. And he is the victim which is being sacrificed. Right? Christ is all there. And he, it's his action. The Mass is the action of Christ. I as a priest act in persona Christi, capitis, uh, in the person of Christ the head. And so I act in the person of Christ. In the most solemn moment of the Mass, the priest says, you know, this is my body, standing in the person and speaking the words of Christ as his own. Uh, the priest, this is my body. This is the chalice of my blood. Um, and so we see that this is um, the action of Christ. So we got to get rid of that misconception that somehow my understanding makes Mass better. It doesn't. Um, and it, the Mass is not about primarily my understanding. Tonight, uh, wow, there's a lot to cover in a short amount of time. Um, <laughs> there are different forms of celebrating uh, the Mass. And the Mass is um, the traditional Latin Mass, the extraordinary form. Uh, we could break it into four different forms of celebrating you have a, um, a low mass, which is no music, all spoken. You have what we're going to do tonight called the Misa Cantata, where the priest chants uh, his prayers that are out loud. The readings will all be chanted. We'll talk about that in a second. The choir is going to be chanting the different mass parts and the propers. They have what they're supposed to sing. Um, and so there's, they're singing, but still just priest and two servers. It's low mass with music. Um, then you have a solemn high, you have a high mass which includes more servers and incense. And then you have the solemn high mass, which includes a deacon and a subdeacon and a lot more ceremonial. Um, so we are celebrating tonight a Misa Cantata, which is a low mass, one priest, two servers, no incense. And um, I'll be singing a lot of my parts. What I want you to look at tonight, whether you understand where we are or not, and we're going to talk about some of the parts of the mass, whether you're following, whether you're completely lost, the mass is not about your following it. And the Mass, the beauty of what happens that we have the ability to do in the extraordinary form is that it becomes like a beautiful um, ballet, almost dancing, anything, where there's complementarity. 
right? Uh, one of the cool things about the extraordinary form that was not carried over into the Novus Ordo is that the priest is doing his own prayers with the servers while the choir is singing something else, uh, and you as the people are all just entering into the prayer. You don't have to sing with the choir. Uh, you're being able to sing the mass parts is irrelevant. The choir is trained to do that. So to free you to pray. You don't need to know how to sing the readings. And you don't even know, need to know what they mean. That's my job. I'll take care of that. You need to pray. You need to take what, you know, take all the glory. Take all the, the good things that are happening. Take all the difficult. And give them to the Lord. Right? And you have the freedom to do that. And if you're spending the whole mass looking through this little red book trying to figure out where we are. And because, unless you're experienced with it, you're not going to have a dang clue where we are. Um, you're going to get frustrated. So just don't do it. That's not what this is meant to be. Rather, just pray. The extraordinary form is catechetical in its very nature, not necessarily in the readings, the homily, the words of the Mass. It's catechetical in that there's something going on here. And the very motions of the priest and the singing of the choir and the silence, you know, there's... there's uh, the Eucharistic prayer is recited in a low voice. And many of the priest prayers are recited in a low voice, meaning you don't hear them. And, and the silence, you know, the divine si entering into silence. Like there's something beautiful to like, you don't need to hear this. It's enter into the silence and the mystery. And that in and of itself is catechetical. That in and of itself teaches us about who God is. Not by any one or two of the words in the Mass, but by the very thing that's happening. The mystery teaches us about the transcendence of God. And when we try to simplify the liturgy, as a lot of people try to do, in order to get people to understand it better, we lose the fact that we're dealing with God here, and it's not a class, and it's not just a communal gathering. That this is God himself with whom we're dealing. And so um, we need to learn from the math. The, the extraordinary form has that ability that the very way that the, the right progresses, teaches us something of the mystery of God. Okay, so um, we're going to go now really quick um, through parts of the Mass. Uh, open up to page 10 if you can. And again, I'm going to, I mean, if you want to learn more about these, buy this book. It's called The Explanation of the Holy Mass by Dom Prosper Garanger. This is a very old, good, traditional book about the Mass. And he goes through every one of these in a beautiful detail. So buy this book if you want to go really in-depth. That's not what we're doing. We're kind of going to run through this thing, okay? The prayer, the Mass starts with the priest at the foot of the altar. Before you know, he goes up, places the chalice on the altar, comes back down, and then prays Psalm 42. Um, before we even go up, think about like Moses in the Old Testament, going up the mountain to talk to God. Like, you got to do a lot of stuff before you even get up that mountain, dude. Like, this is, you don't enter willy-nilly into the clouds to chat with God. Like, and so the priest prays at the foot of the altar, and the server, and tonight we'll have two servers, they do the responses. You don't know Latin. You don't need to respond. You can if you want to, but with the way that the signal's going to go, you're probably not going to be able to. Um, but you, um, the servers respond. Like, this is it. You get a representative. Look, when I, I'm going to be going to Italy next week, and my Italian is a little bit rusty because I haven't spoken it in a few years. And if I'm with a friend who speaks Italian, I'm going to be like, dude, 
Utah. Like, tell this guy that I want to get into the museum. I'm a priest. Like, and my friend will be like, See, my padre, okay, good. My, let my friend speak Italian, not me, okay? Uh, tonight, I know at least Anderson is serving. Like, let Anderson speak the Latin. He knows what he's doing. He's our friend. He can talk on our behalf. So let Anderson say those responses and don't worry about it. But the priest and the server and all the people then joining their prayers to the action, um, pray, you know... Um, Judge me, O God. And no, but anyway, it's Psalm 42. Um, praying a psalm before the psalms are so present. And then the confidior. I confess to Almighty God. And you'll notice the confidior in the extraordinary form, now page 13. Uh, we're just going to go right along. Um, adds in all these other people. Because why? Like, I've sinned, but I'm not just going to confess to Almighty God and to my brothers and sisters. Like, I've really sinned and I need a lot of help. And so I confess to Almighty God. To blessed Mary of Virgin, to blessed Michael the Archangel, to blessed John the Baptist, to the Holy Apostles Peter and Paul, and all the saints. And then guess what? I'm going to ask all of them. Therefore I ask, blessed Mary of Virgin, blessed Michael the Archangel, blessed uh, John the Baptist, the Holy Apostles Peter and Paul, and all the saints to pray for me. So we're include, we actually are naming out much more than just all the angels and saints or just you. Um, okay. So, and then what's cool here is that the priest does his confidior. I pray the confidior alone. And then the server says, May Almighty God have mercy on you, forgive you your sins, and bring you to everlasting life, which is pretty awesome that somebody gets to say that to me. And then the, the server says the confidior as well on behalf of all the people. So the priest, uh, because I'm not attending the Mass, I'm celebrating the Mass, a lot of the prayers are a little different, that the priest says prayers for himself, and the server says prayers for the people. Okay, uh, when finally we go up the altar... Um, we pray the introit, which is proper to the Mass, and tonight uh, that'll be sung, but the introit, proper to the Mass. In this little red book, all the prayers are from the Mass for the Holy Trinity. So that's the entrance antiphon for the Mass. Uh, then you have the Lord have mercy. Now the Lord have mercy in the extraordinary form is nine part. It's Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. And that's, what is that? That's Trinitarian. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. It's a three and it's a three, three, right? So there's extra Trinitarian symbolism going into, we say it three times, because, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's a Trinitarian aspect to this. Tonight, we're not going to say the Gloria because it's just a daily Mass. And then we have uh, what's called the Collect, um, which is the opening prayer for the Mass. Again, all of these are very, you know, are carried over in a way to the uh, Novus Ordo. All right, page 17. In the Old Mass, uh, traditional Latin Mass, you only have one reading, and it's usually from one of the epistles of St. Paul, because this is exhortation to the Christian people gathered together. Uh, but what you'll see tonight, and I'm really, I want to apologize in advance, in the Misa Cantata, we chant the readings. Why? Because chanting is a religious thing, right? To sing is, I talk to you like this, because we're in a living room, and this is what you do. If I started singing everything I'm going to say to you, it would be a little awkward and weird. We don't do that, right? We do in the Mass, because it's different. We're chanting, and again, it's not about understanding the readings. Uh, they're being proclaimed on behalf of all the people. That, like, this is it. We, this is what we do. It's chanted, and all of our action is directed toward the Lord. Um, okay, so we have the epistle, and then you're going to see it's going to be interesting. The book, um, just some cool little notes. The book is on the altar facing this way. When we're doing our prayers, 
uh, here, it's facing straight ahead. But you'll notice the book is going to move to the other side of the altar for the gospel. So if that is east, that is north. The north, uh, proclaiming the gospel to the north, is meant to be a proclaiming the gospel to the people that have not yet heard it. It's an actual symbolic thing. So the book is put on this side of the altar, not facing forward, but facing the side. So the gospel is proclaimed to the liturgical north, to those who have not heard it yet. Right? So there's a real symbolism even in where we're standing, what we're doing. So the gospel gets chanted in Latin to the people that haven't heard it yet. Um, and then tonight there'll be a very brief homily. And then we go into the offertory prayers. Um, and again, here, these are going to be, let's, um, we are on page 23. Again, all of this is going to be like super quiet and there's going to be singing going on. Um, but just uh, follow along if you can. If not, just there's a lot more prayers here. And you should, we're going to buy more. You can all keep these red books if you want. And read through the prayers and kind of see, they're actually pretty beautiful. And there are certain prayers that have been taken out. Um, and they're, they're very beautiful prayers. Uh, so eventually we'll get to the preface. Uh, so the priest will sing, Per omnia secula, seculo horum. And the choir will respond, Amen. And then it'll be, Dominus. Okay, so it's, that's the preface in the Mass. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Okay, it's just in Latin. Um, and then, but again, when we get into the Sanctus, this is one of the things the priest recites the Sanctus and goes, boom, right into the Eucharistic prayer. Because again, you have, the choir has its action, you have your action, and the priest has his action. And there's a beautiful harmony going on between all the different actions that are happening, uh, which is really cool. Um, the canon of the Mass is Eucharistic Prayer 1. It's the same one we use here basically every day. Uh, one of the things you'll notice, though, in the uh, extraordinary form, the priest genuflects a whole lot more. In the, in the Novus Order, the priest genuflects three times, right? Um, at, after the elevation of the uh, host, after the elevation of the chalice, and uh, before receiving communion. In the extraordinary form, the priest genuflects before the elevation, elevate after the elevation, and then... Um, <laughs> Before the elevation of the child, like there's a lot more genuflecting. Why? Because this is God. Like, and I need that as a priest. I need to be reminded every time I take what's called the pall, that little cardboard top that we put on top of the chalice, so no one, no, you know, bugs fly into it. Every time we take that off, and now the Eucharist is exposed again, we genuflect, right? Like every single time. There's something. You notice all the different times that I genuflect. If you get a chance to see it, because there's a lot going on there. With how, you know, with uh, how that happens. Okay. Um, after the Eucharistic prayer, amen. And then the priest sings the majority of the Our Father alone. Again, because we're praying, the priest is praying to the Father on our behalf. Right? And so this is it. Like, the priest is up there in persona Christi, in the person of Christ, praying to the Father. So it's like Jesus saying the Our Father for us. Right? If I get Jesus to say the Our Father for us, we're going to take that. Like, you say it, Lord, because I'm not good at it. And the priest in the Mass prays that in Persona Christi, the Our Father. Um, some more prayers, some more genuflecting, the preparation for communion, the Agnus Dei. Um, we do say, and the priest says it with us, the part that we should say, so um, Etch Agnus Dei, so it comes time for communion. And you'll hear there's a lot more bells and stuff going on. Etch Agnus Dei, Etch Equitol, Peccata Mundi. And then the priest says with us, and this is something you should all say if you can, 
Dominate on some demons who didn't just protect the man, said Tantum Dig Verbo, Sanabitor on man. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, my soul shall be healed. But guess what? I'm a dumb human being. And I can say something and not really mean it that well. So what do we do? Domine non sum dinus, ud interest ut tectamam, satantum dig verbo, sanabitur anomeo. Domine non sum dinus, like, say it through, we're gonna say it three times. Why? Because you're probably not paying good enough attention the first two times. And so in the, in the traditional Latin mass, you do, there are certain things we say multiple times, because guess what? Like, maybe by the third time, you'll get it right. Um, and so that's how we're, you know, that's not just the Latin, that's from the heart. How do we get that right? Okay, um, just a practical note. Communion is received uh, kneeling on the tongue, and that is for everyone. Kneeling on the tongue, unless for a physical reason you can't kneel, but it's always on the tongue. And again, the priest there says the entirety of the prayer, Corpus Domini Nostri Jesu Christi Custodiat Animam Tuum in Vita Maternum. Amen. May the body of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, preserve your soul for life everlasting. Amen. You're getting a blessing before receiving communion. And you don't say amen, you don't say it. You just kneel there and stick your tongue out. Um, Corpus Dominus Jesu Christi, custodiat animam tuum and vitam eternum. Amen. Boom. Receive the Lord. Pray with it. Pray in silence. Um, purification, some more prayers. Go forth, the Mass is ended. Then just another final note is Mass concludes with what's called the last gospel. That we read the, go- the prologue of St. John's Gospel after the dismissal as one of the things that we should always be praying with this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's God we just received. Um, and I recommend, you know, you should read and pray with John's prologue often, but in a real way, there should be like a line or two that just is like, so first of all, it's, et verbum caro factum es will all genuflect, um, et habi tabi denobis. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and that's what allowed us to say the Mass. Like, that's it. That's what we believe. Like, that is a core, who are we as Christians? Ed verbum caro factum est. And the word was made flesh. This is so identifying of who we are. But my favorite line in that is, um, in propria venit and sui eum non receperunt, um, he came to his own people and his own did not receive him. And just to see, we are his own people. And we may have received our Lord and Holy Communion, but have we actually received him into our hearts? Um, and so, you know, there's these little little one-liners that if we pay attention to them uh, like that's awesome um and so that's the extraordinary form of the mass um if there's like a couple people who feel comfortable with it like if you feel like you have like a pretty good grasp of the mass if you could like sit up front and that way like other people can kind of copy when you're set, uh, standing up or sitting down or kneeling yes but anderson as a server is going to help with a few little hand motions even if it makes them uncomfortable <laughs> I, actually, I actually don't know how to okay how to sit stand or sit in the card yeah so people know sit in front <laughs> but look here's the thing i'll say for this math except for when i'm reading the gospel if you want to kneel the whole time who cares just kneel there and pray Right? This is it. This is your time. So, when in doubt, kneel, first of all. Um, but, if you just want to kneel there and pray the whole time, and let the Mass happen, and be caught up with the heavenly worship, like, do that. This form of the Mass allows for that. I think we're done with the presentation, so now we are going for questions. Father, thank you for the presentation. Now, can you comment on the praying of the Rosary during Mass? No. Uh, we'll save that for another time. Okay. Great. Other questions? <laughs> no, that's such... I really want questions about the specifics of the Mass, of people, mechanics, people have questions about rosary during Mass is a question we're going to have at a different... That's a, that's a niche topic. Other questions? Are we going to 
uh, have other presentations to get a little bit deeper into uh, I think the group can do the servant team will decide where we kind of go from here, but this is I think a good a good one off. Um, questions about the yeah. Um, we went through a lot. Um, so all this stuff on the right hand side. Yes. Are these the directions for the congregation? Let's see. Because it says like stand. Yeah, and absolutely. Um, and, and also there's some catechetical stuff in there. Yeah. Um, the preface, which introduces the canon of the mass, I'm um, on page 29, is a hymn of thanksgiving and praise. You know, so there's some cool like commentary in there. I, the, I would really just say, if you have the entire mass, if your nose is in this book, you like. Don't do that, right? That's just not, don't try. I, if I could just really counsel you. Yeah. If you can sit with someone that knows what they're doing and they can kind of point out where, but if not, who cares, right? You're, you're at the mask, but no, you should, as you keep this book and you try to learn more, um, yes, you absolutely, they, these are little instructions. And there is a stand and kneel, but you gotta see anywhere it says high mass, ignore that, right? Okay. If it says high mass <laughs> under an instruction, so you want to follow for low mass. So on page 23, it says when we go to, um, after the homily, I'll dominus robiscum, ad cum spiritu tuo, oremus, and then you all just sit down until the sanctus. And at the sanctus, there'll be bells. Sanctus, sanctus, there's bells, kneel down, right? Because we're in the presence of the holy, holy, holy God. Um, yeah, so cool. Um, again, there's a lot of bowing, there's a lot of responding, go for it. You know, I would say this missal was promulgated in, what is it, the 1500s by, you know, Pope um, Pius V. Like, your average farmer didn't speak that much Latin, right? And so uh, it is understood by educated people, like people who had the benefit of studying Latin. But when this was promulgated, Latin was not the, you know, universally spoken language. And even, like, this is not Ciceronian Latin, right? This is not, like, Roman. Like, this is liturgical. Um, you may not sound like it, but let me tell you, um, the Latin rite is, it's stark, it's military, it's efficient, right? And Latin is a very stark, military, efficient language. Greek, on the other hand, is a very kind of fluid language, right? There's uh, Greeks all over it. And the Greek liturgy is a very beautiful expression of that culture. This is military. Like, the motions are military. It's, it's, very, um, me it's very meant to be very structured, but also, this is low Latin. Right, Latin, liturgical Latin is low Latin. Like this is, we're using as few words as possible usually to say the things. Even though they're beautiful and even though in English we're even more stark, um, this is kind of low Latin. Um, do you know why Latin is the official language of the church? And is there anything like in the, like you're talking about the characteristics of the language itself that like, I don't uh, know the symbol is? No, so Latin was the language of the Roman Empire. And even though, so it is like, that's, it's the, the Pope is the Bishop of Rome. Um, Latin was spoken in the Roman Empire, and so La we are the Latin rite, right? And so that's important to recognize that there are other rites in the church. Um, and when we say rite, it's usually re related to ritual, which means worship. Um, and so we are the Latin rite, which means our worship is in Latin. Now, we have allowed that to be translated for people's ease of understanding. However, as the Latin rite, our worship is in Latin. Um, you know, the, the Byzantine rite, the worship is in Greek. Right? I mean, so it's like it's a different right. The Russian right, the worship is in Russia or it's Cyrillic. It's just the church. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
It's, yeah, so there's different, you know, rites. So we are identified as the La- we are the Latin rite, which means our worship is in Latin. Uh, are the readings the same? Like- the readings are not the same. So the lectionary, so this is actually, interestingly enough, this is a Roman Missal. This is the Extraordinary Form Missal. Everything is in this one book, right? I can take this one book and say Mass. I actually can't take this book called the Roman Missal and say Mass with it because the readings aren't in it. Um, this was actually something I disagree with, and this is being recorded, so I'm sorry to Vox Clara for this, but I disagree with calling this book a Roman Missal, because it's not. The Roman Missal is that everything's in one book. This is a sacramentary, which is what it was called before the uh, New Translation 2010. Why is it the sacramentary? Because the sacramental prayers are in here. It's supposed to be combined with a lectionary in which you have the readings, um, the lectoras. And so we have the lectionary and the sacramentary, which are meant to be side by side. Uh, So the readings here are much less. There's a lot less of the Old Testament. There's a lot less of the Gospels. There's not a lot of repetition of like Matthew's account of this parable, Mark's account of this parable, Luke's, because we're on a three-year cycle in the Novus Ordo, and this is one year, right? All the readings are the same. And even there's not daily Mass readings. Our Mass today is the Mass from Sunday, excluding the Creed and the Glory, right? It's the same readings that if you went to Mass this Sunday in extraordinary form, it's the same readings. It's the same thing. Um, Now, traditionally, there wouldn't have been a homily at daily Mass. We're going to give a little homily, very little homily today, but there wouldn't have been a homily at daily Mass. Um, And so you only got your homily on Sunday, and uh, one of the one of the Issues that needed to be reformed is even in like the 20s and 30s, there weren't even Sunday Mass homilies. They would just do announcements and call it the homily in some places, and that was pretty bad. Um, So there was reform that was needed. I do want to point out one thing I forgot. You'll notice there are going to be cards on the altar because there's a lot of prayers in this book that I can't either flip to the right page for or actually I was supposed to, as a priest, have memorized. So I'm supposed to have all of that memorized and all of this, and all of this. And so uh, the tradition arose, the custom arose, of all the prayers that the priest needs to have memorized are on cards that are on the altar. So when you go into the church tonight, you'll see three cards, a big one in the middle, and one on one side, and one on the other. Here is basically all of the offertory prayers, and this is actually the consecration for the, um, in the Eucharistic prayer, because here I should be, the priest should be looking at the Eucharist and not trying to be like reading and holding and reading, <laughs> but rather it puts it right in front of you so you can be looking at the host and say, qui pridee quam paterator, chepi panem, and so, you know, it gives you right here uh, the Gloria, the Creed, the prayer that the priest has to say before proclaiming the gospel, which now in the Novus Ordo you have to have it memorized. There's no way to read that prayer. So you got to have it memorized. Same with some of the other prayers, the prayers preparing for communion, the prayer before the blessing. Um, over here is the prayer for washing your hands, the prayer for the mixing of the water and wine. Again, these are all things that you really need to have memorized, and you would have had memorized, but we have them on cards in the Old Mass. Uh, and then this is the beginning of John's Gospel. So you said that... Um we don't have to understand what's going on right. in the Mass, and we can just pray. Pray along. So what does that mean? So so what <laughs> is ultimately happening in the Mass is that the, the sacrifice of Calvary is being made present to us. That the yes. priest is going up the mountain, 
Mount, uh, you know, Mount Calvary or Mount uh, Tabor, where uh, you know where the Lord, uh, not Mount Tabor, um, Mount Sinai, where Moses, you know, it's it's evoking all the biblical imagery of going up and speaking with God upon the mountain, and um, and then Christ, the sacrifice of Calvary, is being made present to us, and you'll see tonight in the very actions of the genuflections and the bell ringing and uh, the silence, like. You get what's happening, even if you don't understand the words or what I what prayer I'm saying at what particular time. Like you don't need to know when I'm doing the placha TV. You know, no. Like the, you get like this is it. Like this is this is how, and you'll see. Like there's even the point. Oh, there's just so many cool little things, right? <laughs> like um, before the elevation, that at a certain point at the honkage tour, when the priest puts his hands over the chalice. Uh, the server will ring the bell, and then he'll actually move up closer to where I am. So again, all the actions moving closer and closer to the altar. Because what's happened, like, this is the moment of sacrifice. But then when the priest, um, and then in, it's all silent. But then you'll see, like, it'll be actually the first time since the beginning, or the creed, which we don't have the creed. It'll be the first time since the entrance that I genuflect. It's like, okay, God's here now. Like, holy moly, like, Christ is here now. And then when, uh, during the elevation... The server lifts up the vestment of the priest because the burden of presenting Christ to the world is so much that the priest can't do it alone. And now Anderson's a very competent server, but like imagine having like a little, you know, eight-year-old kid like holding up this beautiful golden chasuble because like, yeah, it's a little too much for you, Padre, so let me just help you out. Like this is beautiful about, about that. Um, so that. So you may not get all of what I'm saying or what I'm doing. But the religious aspect of there's a sacrifice happening here with a solemnity and there's the worship of the triune God um, is something that we as people of religion are meant to, um, it's... So Jesus is okay with that level of understanding oh, yeah. for us. Well, that's almost a deeper Amen. level of understanding okay. in rather than like knowing my prayers, yeah. like, no, like this is God, like this is the, the cloud of mystery uh, upon the mountain, like this is like, I, I don't know, there's something deeper. The, the mass isn't exercising the virtue of religion. Religion is offering right worship to God. And so to be more effective at mass, again, it's not an exercise in education. It's an exercise in religion, which means worship. So the more that I can worship during mass, even without comprehension of education, the more I can just, dang it, I'm kneeling. Like, and we see, like we, we have, I must say, and it's not, necessarily the fault of the Novus Ordo. There's a lot of things that have gone into the last 60 years. But we have lost religion, right? As, as a church, we have lost religion, okay? Mass is not about entertainment or education. Uh, it's not even about community. Like, it's religion. And we have lost religion. And if we want to reclaim who we are, and we want to reclaim what the Mass is, forget about language, forget about orientation. I mean, those are helpful things. But let's start with religion. We worship. Like, this is right worship offered to God. Uh, the doxology is one of my favorite prayers in the Mass because it most perfectly sums up the virtue of religion. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit. So we've got the Trinity going here now. All glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Like that, that is religion. That is right worship. When we say that, and when you say amen, you add your prayer to that. All glory and honor is yours. Like, all glory to God. Like, that's it. Like, boom. That's religion. 
If we just make that one prayer, every Mass, no disorder, extraordinary form, whatever, if we make that one prayer of the Mass our thing, all glory and honor is yours, not mine, forever and ever, amen. Boom. Like, that's worship. That, that's religion. We need, to, we need to recapture that. And so that level of, of understanding is, um, I think that's where we want to be. Actually, that's, that's the ideal. Um, so I understand that like the sacrifice of the mass is about obviously giving to God what is his. So like, I think Father Mike Schmitz talked about like giving to the Lord ourselves during the mass. So how do we give more of ourselves in the mass, even if we don't like understand what's going on? Yeah. So you should be, it is a sacrifice being offered and you, uh, I mean, assuming that you're baptized, you, uh, you share in the priesthood of Christ. And so you can offer and mother Teresa would always say, pray for me in the moment. When the priest, and it's when we start the offertory, when the priest takes the host uh, and the patent. Uh, and here in the, the old mass, the prayer is very beautiful. Sushipe, Sangha Patra, Omnipotence, Eternities, Hankum Lakalakam, Hostiam. See, I've almost got them memorized. Accept, O Lord, accept, O Holy Father, Almighty, Everlasting God. This is page 23. This unspotted host, which I, thine unworthy servant, offer to thee, my living and true God to atone for my countless sins, offenses, and negligences on behalf of all here present and likewise for all the faithful Christians, living and dead, that it may avail both me and them as a means of salvation unto life everlasting. Amen. Mother Teresa would always want uh, to be prayed for in that moment, right? At that moment uh, in the Mass, as you kind of, it's after the hollow, like, okay, like, this, we are, this is the, the host, the victim, um, is, that's in Latin, hostiam is victim. Um, this, this victim is being offered. Uh, and so we ask for, um, we, we unite ourselves to that. And so what you do is you unite your intentions, you unite your prayers, your, sac- your whole life. You, you offer with Christ um, in the Mass. Uh, I was just going to uh, kind of talk about what Emily was asking about, like about participation. You know, like if this is your first uh, you know, TLN that you're going to go to, don't even, like, worry about following along with readings or, like, anything. Like, just enjoy, like, what's going on, like, being in the presence of God in, like, this particular way and, like, appreciating the fact that, you know, you are, in a sense, like, connected to your ancestors. Uh, you know, because, like, this is, you know, the Mass is you know, hundreds, maybe, you know, 1,500 years old plus. Um, I would say, like, for me, you know, like, I went and got a missile like a year and a half ago, like a, like a Latin missile, and I tried to follow along. I would go to Latin Mass, and I, like, despaired. Like, I could not stand going to the Latin Mass. Like, I hated it. But I just, I appreciated it for, like, what it was. And, like, over time, I learned to, like, follow along. And there's only been one Mass, like a single Mass when I was in the congregation, where I, like, opened up my missile. I was like, all right, I'm following along with, like, every single thing. And I followed along with, like, what the priest said. And at the end of it, I was like, I didn't pray a single thing. I just read everything. So, like... I guess, like, what I'm trying to say is, like, over time, you just kind of learn, like, each person, according to their ability to follow along, you know, you have to find that kind of happy medium over time. And it's not something that's going to happen on your first or second or fifth time. But, you know, when you go to a bunch, you'll kind of... Well, if I, as a priest, if I attend... So, priests can attend Mass, what's called in choir, so dressed in a cassock and a surplus. And if I'm attending a Mass in choir, and it's the, the extraordinary form... Like, I don't even try to follow along. Like, I say, look, I learned the prayers. I can read Latin. I know pretty much what I'm saying. Um, like, I don't... Let let me worry about what the... Like, there's something about the priest is talking to God for us. 
Like, I don't know. And that's not clericalism, right? The, like, the priest is talking to God. You can talk to God. You should talk to God in your heart. You should talk to God with your prayer and all that. But, like, Father knows what to do to not offend God in the mass. And there's something about, like, all the movements and the hands and where you keep your hands and how you – the bowing and the bowing. And all, like, Father learned the right etiquette. Again, it's an etiquette thing. If I had dinner with the Queen of England, I'd be like – what do I have? Hold on. Like, I remember when I met the Pope, which there's a picture of there, I was so nervous. Because <laughs> I didn't know the etiquette of, like, what do you do? Like, how how do you meet the... And I'm just like, I just wish that there was somebody who knew the Pope that I could, like, stand to the side and this person would, like, do all the etiquette and then I could just chat with the Pope. Which you do when you receive communion. Like, because there's something about, like, I'll do all the etiquette, you receive communion, and then you talk to the Lord. Right? I've made sure that all the etiquette is met. Don't worry about it. Just to kind of enter in in that way. I don't know. There's something beautiful to that. I don't really, um, I don't really follow along too deeply. Oh, um, it kind of was already answered. But oh, cool. So, are mostly what we're doing is, um, like the your server and you are saying most of the words yep. said, and like we're more participating in the kneeling or the sitting or. The and you're just yeah. praying. You're just, yeah. you know, whatever's on your heart, however it's going, you're just. Um, you're just kind of offering all that to the Lord and entering into it. it like, like we do with adoration, right? In adoration, and the Mass is perfect adoration. So the way that you are in adoration is how you should be in the Mass. Just, boom, there's the Lord. There's something going on here. You just answered it. Cool. Did you just have a question? Um, okay, we've got like, time for one do, more. Two more. Do you want... <laughs> quick one. Do you want us... If we know it, to respond with the Echoing Spiritual Song Fellow and then Gloria TV Dominator, all that stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> if we know it, you, if you know it, you can just don't okay. do it in a way that's going to disrupt the people that are. And again, this is, you yeah. know what I love? Uh, I want to kind of conclude with this. Uh, there, there was an extraordinary form we celebrated here a couple months ago. And there's something about like when you don't need to be educated and be communally gathered and all that, like there's a place in the old mass for crying babies. Like, like, I'm doing my thing that God is hearing, and babies can cry, and people can, like, whatever's going on. Like, there's something awesome about, like, the sacrifices being offered, and this idea of, like, a neat schoolroom sit and stand and sit and stand. And, like, no, like, we're messy humanity. Look at, we're messy humanity right here. Like, okay, but the sacrifice gets offered. And there's something, like, we enter in as piously as we can. But if kids are crying and toddlers are squirming, like, I love that. And I think when you don't need to be hearing what I'm saying. So I said the old mass isn't clericalism. I think uh, the, the Novus Ordo can tend toward clericalism in certain ways in that when I'm facing you, I think it's about me. We put this big, um, not going to say it crudely, we put a big cross on our altar um, so that like I can face the cross and you can face the cross and you're not looking at me and I'm not looking at you, hopefully. Like... Like, there's something about, it, even when we're fa- when Mass is versus Popolum facing the people here, it is like, there's a big cross there. Like, that's what this is about. Not about, like, look at me. And look, I'll tell you, as a priest, it could be very distracting. If I'm, I'm talking to you right now, if I went to talking to God right now, and I'm still, like, looking at all you like this, like, no, no, like, in the Mass to see tonight, like, I'm going to go talk to God, and you're all going to talk to him in your hearts with me, and let's go do that, right? There's something awesome about that. And so this has been really cool. Um, <laughs> so why don't, so um, Mass is going to start at 8 o'clock sharp. Um, again, it may, if it's your first time, you may not understand.
but you're Catholic. You can understand that this is God himself, like, coming down for us. For, for us. Like, bread and wine is changed into the body, blood, sown the divinity of Jesus Christ for us. That's incredible. And so understand that. If you understand that, you, you understand what's more important than any of the specific words or whatever. I do apologize uh, for my singing in advance, but there's something to this. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not an opera. Every priest does, celebrates the mass as best he can, and it's going to not sound perfect. But again, we're offering uh, our poor humanity as best we can. So um, I will see you in the church in about 20 minutes, and then I'll be available. I mean, we pray after. But if people have individual particular questions, I'll try to come back here to hang out for a little while afterwards um, as much as possible. But remember, communion, kneeling on the tongue uh, with the priest saying the entirety of the prayer himself. Um, just enter into the prayers. Keep these red books if you want to. If you don't want to and you're going to waste it, they do cost money. So don't take them if you're never going to look at it again. But it is a gift to you if you want to kind of go and follow along a little bit more at home uh, and learn, study it up a little. All right? Go team.